Thank you, Pastor Jen. Thank you, church. You can take your seats. Always an honor, always a privilege to come around his word. And I want to encourage you, particularly for today, that this is a word that's been on my heart for so well, ever since I knew I was going to be preaching on the Sunday, pretty much. So uh, when I checked my actual rosters, and it was about three weeks ago, I started praying. I started, um, honestly, just going for walks, spending time with no other distractions, and letting God just drop something in my heart. So I'm excited to share um, what, what I'm going to be sharing today and believing that it's God that's going to be speaking to you in your situation, in your family situation, marriage, friendships, study, school, whatever season of life that you're in, it's actually God that's going to be speaking today. So I just encourage you to soften your heart, open your heart when we come around preaching every single Sunday, but particularly today, let's open up and let's, um, let's believe for God to share something into our life. I want to start off today by saying, or giving you a date, the 13th of June, 2014. This particular date for me was one of the one of the dates, or just a normal weekday, where in the afternoon, it was a normal afternoon, just driving home, and I encountered what was one of the most scariest, yet weirdest, strangest, funniest moments I can say in my whole life, up in the top five. Some people know this story, and it gives a bit of a, a, a springboard into what I believe God has put on my heart to share with us today. On the 3rd of June, 2014, driving home, I was living with um, David Crinky and, and a friend named Ben as well, and um, just a bit of a grocery run. But David told me, go and get some milk and uh, get some groceries, so that was my priority list that day. Make sure I get the milk, make sure I get the groceries, and I'm on my way home up Bay Street near Westridge, if you know where Westridge is, just like any other week nights. So it's dark, there's not a street pole light where this particular incident happens, so it is dark, as dark can get. And as I'm driving down a street that I've driven down hundreds of times at this point, I came across two guys on the side of the road. This is not a um, parable. This is a true story, church. As I'm driving down the road, two men on the side of the road, one person looks like he's passed out literally on the side of the road, and this other person was hovering above him at this point. Looks like he's trying to help him out. My instinct was to get, get out of the car. It looked a little bit sus, but nonetheless, I took the keys out of the car. I had my phone. I had triple zero ready to go. And I'm running out of the car within about five meter distance. Instant just ran straight over. I'm here to help out. What's going on? And next thing I know, without me realizing, the person that was standing above the person laying on the ground went around the back of me and flicked my arms behind my back and held me up. And I'm like, what is going on? Your friend is on the ground and you're trying to hurt me? What's going on? So he starts going, give us your money. What have you got? He starts just mumbling some words out. And I'm freaking out at this point, And I'm confused because there's a person still on the ground. I'm like, this is not the opportunity, bro, to take advantage, to mug someone while your friend is on the ground. He's going to tell me who you are. This is going to backfire. Next thing I know, church, part two, is that the person then starts to stand up and he is actually in on it. It's a setup. I tell you, all right, I've seen heaps of Steven Seagal movies, Harrison Ford, Liam Neeson, but that didn't prepare me for this moment in my life where this was a stick up. It was a setup for me, right? And as in the moment, you don't prepare for this. I actually put on a Facebook post. It went viral. People were like, what the heck, this guy? Like, he's a superhero. What's going on here? So as this person's pulling me backwards and this person starts to get up, he's halfway through get up, 
All I can think of was someone told me when you're in these situations, particularly versing a guy, there's a particular area you've got to sort of aim for and you can get yourself out of the situation. But I was like, they didn't practice for when someone's behind you. So all I did was a little whoop backwards, got him, long story short, he's on the ground, he runs off, he ditches. Part one of the story, part of the first person, complete. All right, I'm action man, let's go. And then, I kid you not, this is how it goes. As that happens, he's on the ground and runs off. The taller, probably the stronger of the two has ditched. I'm like, okay, it's on, let's go. I have never punched a person in my life. I am not a fighter, I'm a lover church. All right, so I'm trying to negotiate, but this guy starts swinging and he connects one on my chin and something came over me. It was like the green ring, green, um, what do you call it, the green lantern, that power just came over me. And all of a sudden, this is the only time my, in my life I've done this and I'm a pastor and I apologize if this is not the right thing to do. But in the moment, instinct, adrenaline kicked in and boom, right in the stomach. Thank you, Jared. Thank you, Jared. Big supporter of punching. You don't have to clap for that church. All right. This is definitely not where I'm going to land this message today. All right. So as I land this punch, he is winded and he is starting to like, he's struggling to breathe. And I then think, "Uh uh-oh, I step back. I've killed a guy. I'm freaking out. The only time I've got no criminal history, but I'm going to go to jail. This is over. That's all happening in like a couple of seconds in my brain. But then he starts to get back up and I'm like, nope, no way am I doing that again. So I jumped on him and pulled him on the ground and sat on his back with his arms and legs curled up like I'm an MMA fighter, seriously. And as I'm holding him, I'm like, I have no idea what to do next. (laughs) He's like, get off me. He's saying words I can't say. He'll be beeped out. But he's saying all these other words at me, screaming, yelling. Uh, Then I just yell back at him and I say, mate... I'm going to get off you right now, and you've got two options. You can run away, and I'm going to tell the cops exactly what you look like. You're in the wrong place, wrong person, mate. I was really aggro at this point, really angry because he's hurt me. I'm getting a little bit of a bruise happening on my chin, and I'm freaking out. So you got an option. Run away. Second option, mate, when I get off you, you can sit down, and you're going to listen to what I'm going to say to you. And I'm like, what? Why would I say that? But I'm just in the moment not thinking. And I'm thinking, this is going to backfire on me. And as I slowly got off him and launched myself back, he started to run off. Then he spun around real quick within a couple of seconds, sat on the edge of the street. As at this point, I'm standing on the street. At no point is cars going past. At no point with yelling and screaming as anyone coming out of their houses. I am feeling, I'm so alone. And then this guy just goes, what do you got to say? And I'm like, What? <laughs> You are crazy. Like, you're as crazy as me for me offering, but you actually took it up. Anyway, then I just started to utter some words out, and I swear to you right now, church, that God was starting to just share some things with this young man around my age. He literally has just started to beat me up. He tried to mug me as a whole setup, and now I'm telling him, mate, you've got two choices in life. Long story short, I'm just sharing things with him that you can end up in jail. I could have been a violent person. What are you thinking, mate? But then I started to hear his story. And within about a five-minute conversation, he starts to share that he didn't want to be there, that this guy was a brother's friend and how he didn't want, he didn't want to be there, but the brother was uh, influencing him to do that, blah, blah. Whether it was true or not, I wanted to take him at his words and I wanted to encourage him, give him a second chance. 
And then I remember the next last thing, the craziest thing, as I reached my pocket, I was thinking, you know, you're after money. And I reached in, there's five bucks in my pocket. And I literally gave him five bucks and he walked off. And I am thinking, I'm crazy, first of all. I've just empowered, I've done a deposit into this future criminal, you know, what, whatever. But in, in me, I was like, I felt like it was the right thing to do. Near Domino's, he probably got a $5 value pizza. I've never seen him again. I was hoping maybe he came to church because I did talk about that in the, in the conversation we had but I've never seen him again. See, church, we don't get a choice of how people will treat us or what happens to us in this life, but we do have a choice on how we respond. I shared this story a couple of weeks ago in last term at my school with a bunch of grade 9, grade 10 boys that are most likely, and I believe for them and I love them and I want to get around their life, but these are the type of guys that would do this sort of stuff to people and they are thinking three different responses in the room. They were first of all going, you are crazy. That does not make sense. You're too nice, chappy. You're too nice. And I was like, oh man, I've got to build this back up, this rapport over a couple of weeks. The other response was that if we beat you up, chappy, can we get five bucks? <laughs> Honestly, these kids were thinking, right? Okay, logic. And the final response from the kids was, you're Batman. Like, seriously, I'm going to have you around my life. It did not make sense, the response that I did. Even to myself, church, to be honest, reflecting back on that, I remember talking to Pastor Jared, Pastor Brent. I had a meeting with him a couple of weeks later. I was sharing the story with him, and he's just going, do you realize how worse that could have got? Yeah, you could have just stayed in the car and and go, I'm ringing triple zero, just call them out, see if it's going to be real or not. But he was also encouraged by how God was potentially being used in that situation and just allowing a different response to the default. See, how do we know, church, this is where I land today, how do we know if how we respond is how we should respond? How do we know if how we respond is how we should respond? Here's a very controversial, very confronting Very hard scripture that I struggled with for a long time, and maybe you still struggle with today, church. And it's found in Luke 6, 27 to 28. And Jesus says to to a group of people, he's talking about life principles, he's encouraging his followers on how they should live, and he says this statement, but to you who are listening or willing to listen, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, Pray for those who hurt you. What? That does not make sense. Like, Jesus, you love us. You forgave us. You've got a life for us. But now you're telling us the people that reject you, the people that hate on us, the people that oppose us, because that's what he's talking about in the context of an enemy in this situation. The people that are coming against us. You want us to pray for them, bless them, wish good for them? love them? What? And I, I love how a couple of scriptures earlier, he even says in Luke 6, 22, followers of Jesus will act for the benefit of others, even those who mean harm. Jesus says, love your enemies. Who? Those who oppose you, those who hurt you, those who come coming against you, those that don't wish you well, people that don't bless you, people that are not Christian potentially and living out a life that's really in opposition to who we are. See, I think, church, it's easy to love those who love us back, but what about those that don't or we don't want to? 
See, when Jesus is speaking of love in this context, he's not referring to a general love that's actually our feelings or our emotions or whether we feel like loving that person or not. He's actually talking about a different kind of love because as humans, because we're all humans today, we all have feelings, we have a soul that's got emotions. As humans, the default love we normally use has a limit to those we like and those who love us back. But here's the context, church, of this love he's talking about. See, there's three different types of love. There's eros love, which is a physical or sexual love designed within marriage. A philos love is an affection, brotherly friendship or a, or a family love, getting around your brother, encouraging those people that you normally get along with. Then there finally is the one that Jesus is actually talking about, an agape love, a sacrificial, unconditional, selfless love. This is the love Jesus is talking about. We are to be known for the agape kind of love, who's we? Followers of Christ, Christians, people who put their hand up and respond to this life, knowing that Jesus has got something for us. And to step into that fullness means that we've got to try our hardest to be the best example of His love. And by the way, God is love. And to be the best example as a church, we need to have that kind of agape love for those around us. The title of our message today is Loved to love. Loved to love. And I've got a couple of points that I want to encourage you guys with. In fact, I actually had six originally. And I was like, man, I know that I talk a lot, but six, I can't tame that thing down within an hour. So I've actually just got three that I want to share with you guys today. Three points that encourages us on how we can actually step into this agape love, how we can live our life out of this agape love, and how do we know His love and then be able to project that through our actions, our words, who we are. So ultimately, people in our world, even those that oppose us, the enemy in our life, the people that really want bad for us, and we respond with love, that is crazy, that is strange, that is weird. You could say that's scandalous. That's unconditional, and yet, who was the one that showed us that type of love? Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage us with his example of how we can do that today as it challenges me today as I'm sharing with you. But before we do that, let's quickly pray. Father, we thank you for your simple yet powerful agape love that we can learn more about today, learning more about who you are so we can reach and be the best best billboards of your love for our community, both people that we get along with and the people we don't, both people that support us and people that we don't, both Christians and atheists, both people that we don't like and the people that we do like. We want that agape love to be leading through your Holy Spirit as we step out this church today and help us to be encouraged and never take for granted the simple yet powerful love that is in you. Amen. So my first point, love with prayer. Love with prayer. Now, when this first was dropped on my heart, I was preparing for this message. I was like, seriously, prayer? Like love with prayer, how, how, does, how does that work? And I actually love that in the original scripture I read to you guys, it says, pray for those who hurt you. Pray for those who hurt you. Like, what, what, <laughs> why would I pray? 
What, what, what's the practical benefits of praying for those that are enemy towards me? People that hate me, not, not supporting me. Even says in Luke 6, 28, pray for those who hurt you. And Matthew 5, 40, 44, in the New King James Version, it says, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And can I preface before I get into this church that if you've dealt or experienced abuse, if people have hurt you, whether it's physical, emotional, whatever it might be, mental, it, the message I'm preaching today is not excusing the behavior. It's not excusing the actions and words that have been said towards you. But what my message I want to bring today is about how we can respond to actually loving people and not excusing the stuff, but seeing the person. And this is really challenging for us as Christians because it goes against the world norm of vengeance, of bringing harm back, of the two-way sort of thing that can happen. It really confronts us and challenges us. Why did I choose prayer? Why, why love with prayer? I don't know about you, but it, it, it's hard to pray for someone and hate them at the same time. But personally for me, it's hard to pray for someone and hate them at the same time. Why would I want to pretend with God that I'm just going to pray for so-and-so, I wish them best, I know they hurt me, and uh, you know, I just want to wish them best for the future. And, and you start saying these things in prayer with God, but you're just doing lip service. When deep in here, you're, you're hating at the same time, I don't think it's possible if you're being real with God. See, I believe that prayer actually helps with healing, not about the other person, but with what's happening here. Prayer changes our heart position towards someone. Prayer helps us to see them as God sees them. When we start to declare and put Jesus' name on this person that's caused harm against you, people that you might not get along with, it could be the boss, it could be a family member, it could be whatever it is, from something that happened 10 years ago to something 10 minutes ago, and we start to pray out despite how we feel. And by the way, the best time to pray is when we're feeling like we don't want to pray. The best time to worship is when we don't feel like worshiping. The best time to actually speak out Jesus' name is when we feel like we don't want to speak out Jesus' name. It's when it starts going counter to our emotions and our feelings, which is not actually the life that of people of faith that we have for what God has for us. See, at the start of this year, I was helping a young man with some bullying issues at school, and he was a Christian young man, um, and I was helping him out for a bit and focusing more on him and how this has affected him. There was consequences for the bully, for the person causing this against them. That was all sort of starting to settle, but this person kept coming back and going, it still hurts me. It still is a struggle. You have no idea, Chappie. Today, I almost punched this guy when he wasn't watching. Like It was getting to a point where he had so much hurt and pain, and I just felt God put on my heart to encourage him or even ask the question, have you prayed for him? Have you prayed for him? And he's like, no, I have not prayed for him. I've got better things to pray for. That was his words. This is a young kid. I'm like, oh, man, we can relate with that, I think. I've got better things to pray for. Not praying for the person that is hurting me, distracting me, whatever. But then I was, he's like, can you do that? Can I encourage you to do that? Or do you, wanna, do you want us to pray together first? And then I'm going to encourage you, you can do that in your own time. He's like, could, could you start? Because I, I, I don't even know what to say. Our emotions will get involved. You can bring emotions into prayer. I said that to him. But ultimately, it's putting Jesus' name and wishing. Like, and I shared the scripture with him. And I remembered when I was preparing for this message, this story dropped in my heart. And the reason why I'm sharing the story is because when he started to pray, and it wasn't straight away, 
It was a couple of weeks later. He'd come back to me. I was doing a general catch-up with him just to check in. I said, how are you going with that person? We're actually friends now. And I said, are you serious? This is pretty cool, you know. How do you become friends? Well, Chappie, when I was praying for him and I started to think real positive things and I started to feel maybe he's hurting me because he's hurt, or you know that, he starts saying all those lines and he went up and he actually said, I'm really sorry, I actually see you as a really bad, he, he said this and I said, I wouldn't, wouldn't say you do this all the time with these situations, but he goes, I went up to him and I just said, look, I, I actually don't like you, I hate, hated you for a bit because of what you did, but I just want to let you know that I, I, I forgive you. Um, and like we, they connected on a sport and so they wanted to try and move on and that person then apologised and there was a whole thing that happened. That other person's not a Christian but he saw now a response that was not normal. It was strange. Why would the victim go up to the bully and go, hey, I'm really sorry that I saw you in that way and all that sort of stuff and that's what I've been thinking about but I just want to say I forgive you and we're moving on but he didn't realise that it was going to move on the way that it did. They became friends and still to this day which is pretty cool. All because this person started speaking out Jesus' name because often I think the last thing we go to, the last person we go to is Jesus. And we're Christians. We try to sort ourselves. We try to figure it out. We try to logic it. Nope, that person deserves that. Nope, that person, you know, I hope something bad happens. Oh, nope, that was coming. Oh, that's karma. But hello, as people of faith, we're starting to believe and speak out Jesus' name on situations even when we feel like we shouldn't. Those are the situations we need to because Jesus is involved in all of our lives. And why I'm sharing that story, second point, love with forgiveness. Love with forgiveness. Oh, this is a scary subject to talk about because I think as humans, our brain, it gets in the road of what is actually biblical when it comes to this idea of forgiveness because we live in a world in workplaces, in schools, universities, even sometimes at homes, that can be so unforgiving. A one-chance culture, a cancel culture is a statement that gets thrown around. You stuff up, that's it, end of story, cut you off, I'm going this way. We live in a society that's so full of that. And yet Jesus modeled a complete opposite kingdom culture when it came to this idea of forgiveness. Jesus lived an amazing life, a sinless life. He did no harm to anyone. And yet while he was being pinned to the cross, nails in his hands in so much pain, in so much hurt, man, he can relate with our pain and hurt. Oh man, he can relate with us. And we're sitting there, oh, he's sitting there on the cross and he is completely pinned on this cross, pain about to die And he utters the words, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Father, forgive them, for they do do not know what they're doing. Are you serious, Jesus? He was fully human, fully God, right? His human nature could have cried out, no, this is not worth it. Get me off this thing. Or even before leading up to it, he actually goes to God and goes, if this can be passed, like, can we do something else? But not your will, but not my will, your will, God. And I think with the subject of love and agape love for our enemies, for people that we struggle to love, church, this needs to be, as people of faith, not my will, your will. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to respond to those that give me nothing back. 
See, a confronting statement dropped on my heart about a week ago was, we can give people what they deserve or what they need. We can give people what they deserve or what they need. You know, the hard, hard thing is, church, that we get so used to, like Jerry was even talking about before with worship and everything, we get, we get so used to, you know, the traditions and practices, communion. Oh, yeah, we just do this. Jess was talking about that as well. We get so used to this idea that, oh, we're forgiven, yep. Oh, we're loved, you know, unconditionally. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to be anyone. I can just be a son, a daughter of the Most High. I am called. I've got my salvation locked in. I've responded in faith. All right, cool. I've ticked those off. I can just live my life now. And we get so complacent with why we're actually here on earth. Why, what's the point of making a decision to follow God and then continue to live our life? What is this continue? What's the middle ground? Where, what do we do now? And I think this is where this message really hit, the rubber hits the road. When we love people that we think don't deserve love and they know it sometimes, that really messes with their mind and they start to then utter and ask questions, why? Who? When did this change? How do you do this? We are forgiven to forgive, church. I've been in situations in my life, and I'm not here to pretend that I've got the worst story. We've all got different stories. We all connect with stories. But the feelings attached to them, we can relate with. That's where compassion comes in, church. See, I've been in situations where justifiably in my own mind, I don't want to forgive but God said, forgive them. That's my journey, church. I've been in situations where someone who honestly I would build so much trust with and should be the person that's my uh, key person in my life when I was many years ago, and they did something that really just completely cut the trust, and all I wanted to do was hate them, reject them, never talk to them ever again because of what they did, And as I was walking through a famous holy place called Kmart, and I was just walking around going, what am I doing? Emotional, not realizing I'm walking through the bra section. That was awkward. Literally, that's when God spoke to me in the middle of the bra section. (laughs) Don't go to the bra. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, moving on. So as, as God puts my heart, he just says, Forgive him. And I'm like, what else? How do you do that? What's going on? What, what after? What's going to change? But all I heard was forgive him. And as I went back to that person, I literally, the next words I said was that. And I don't know what they did in that person's brain, but I can promise the relationship we have to this day, it would not be possible if the forgiveness wasn't the start point. Then I actually was praying for that person to this day. person who still doesn't have a faith, but I know that we wouldn't be where we are today if God didn't put on my heart and ultimately I listened to forgive him. My logic still doesn't understand Things changed after that. When you forgive someone, it's not forget. When you forgive someone, it's not saying that what they did, what you accept all of a sudden. That's not what we're saying here today. God does not accept violence, abuse, harmful words. He is not a God of those things. He's a God of forgiveness. But And forgiveness actually does something here more than it does sometimes between the two parties or the group of people involved. Forgiveness is such a key point when we are to express and show and be the light of agape love for our world. See, the final one, and I hinted on before, was love with compassion. Love 
with compassion. While we're angry, while we're hurt, it's hard to see outside of our pain. I see it all the time at my school when I'm working with particularly the young lads and they've got so much pepped up anger, so much hurt, and sometimes that's actually deeper. There's things that they'll open up about they've never opened up to someone before and I'm thankful to God for the opportunity that I may be the first person that listens, gives an opportunity for the young men to talk and share about what's really going on underneath the surface that you've got so much anger and so much pain. And it's in that moment I start to feel a bit of compassion for him or her and I'm feeling what they're feeling and they start to then open up more because I'm not pretending to know their situation. I'm just actually saying I connect with that feeling, I connect with that hurt. There's so much anger, so much hurt in our society, in our world today. Not just talking big scale wars and politics and all this stuff that can be so much hate, so much anger, so much slander thrown at each other. But even just in the microscope of our lives, when we start to think negatively, critically, against towards people, because it's such an de- easy default for us. It's easier to think negative about people and about ourselves than it is to think positive about people and ourselves. I encourage kids all the time, write down a list of all the negative things. Just write it, just vent, write on the page. You can swear, you can do whatever you want. And they just write huge lists. Can I get another page, Chappie? Can I get another page? And it breaks my heart. Then the next part of that activity is, can I get you to write something positive about you? Something that's encouraging, something that you believe is actually like a cool gift or a skill set. Both in non-Christian and Christian environments, that list is literally five, six things versus 50, 60 things. Why is it that way? Why are we defaulted that way? Because our culture, our systems, our world has defaulted us that way. But what does Jesus say? Well, in this case, Paul is actually talking in Ephesians, Church of Ephesus, and he says in chapter 4, verses 31 to 32, he says, Get rid of all the bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, get this, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, in other words, compassionate, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I think the biggest heart, heartache for particularly us as pastors is I think the church as a whole in this world has done a really good, really good job of creating a them-and-us culture. We've got our life together. We know Jesus. We're loved. Woe these people. Why are they doing that? What choices are they doing? Why do they do that? That is so against God. And we're throwing comments left, right, and center. That is not positive, not uplifting. We're not showing the agape love. And we're showing judgment. And hello, that's God's job, not ours. (laughs) But compassion. And by the way, Jesus says he sees the crowd. There's a story in the Bible. He sees the crowd and he has compassion all the different situations, and his heart breaks because he sees the hurt, he sees the pain. He sees God's people and he's like, man, I'm so upset right now. I've got compassion. See, compassion bridges the gap between them and us. So it's just us. See, God didn't create Adam and Eve, that person, that person, them, us. That was being the bad person, that was being the good person. No, he created humankind in his image. He created us. Even those that never will accept God, He created them. He has a plan and purpose for them. The big difference between us that knows the love of God and people that don't know the love of God is literally that. That's it. They don't know they're loved yet. And our job, our mission 
as a, we're all evangelists. We're all bringing the God, um, God to this world, this love, this agape love, so that people would actually connect with him. We are both loved by God, both created by God. We are no better than those who hurt us. That's a bit confronting. Oh, no. I'm a good person. Bad person. <laughs> My life a little bit together. No life together. Them, us. We need to remove that. And I challenge myself, and that's a daily journey, church, because I don't think we can ever get to a place where we're perfect with this, and we shouldn't try to be perfect with this. We just ask God, God, how do you want me to respond? How do you want me to see that person? Because right now, this is what I feel. I hate that person. Strong word. I hate that person. God, help me. And he will be saying to you, like, I know you hate. I see your feelings and emotions and everything. This is what I want you to do. Just ask God. Ask the Holy Spirit. Because the agape love that comes out of our lives cannot be done by our strength, church. We cannot pretend to do it in our own strength. It needs to be Holy Spirit-led. How do we get the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit comes into your life when you make that decision to follow Christ. He is your helper, your comforter, your supporter. And He helps to us for us to respond with an agape love that does not make sense. With compassion. True compassion means not only feeling another person's pain, but also being moved to help relieve it. It's not enough to go, I wish them well. I've done my bit. There should be something in us as followers of Christ that action comes behind the agape love. And we're like, oh, what do I do? What, what, what do I do next? Just ask God. Oh, but I'm struggling to hear God right now. I can't hear talk to someone who is a, a follower of Christ. I need to talk to a pastor. I need, I need to sort of figure out what's God saying in this situation because I can't live in a life that is hurt and unforgiveness and I've got pain. It is not the life that God's called for us, church. If you've come in today with pain, hurt, unforgiveness because of something that someone's done to you or maybe how you think about yourself, this is not the life that God has for you. This is not the fullness that God promises us to live in. This is a life, and I think this is like a counterfeit that we try to say is the life, but Jesus has a life where we can walk free, free of that unforgiveness, free of the shame and guilt that comes with something that someone did to you or said to you. Walk in the freedom today, church. People hurt people because they're hurt people. People hurt people because they are hurt people. We all get hurt sometimes, and out of that hurt, that's a dangerous part of our life. If we're hurt, we start to hurt. Again, I'm not justifying actions. I'm not justifying people and the choices they've made. We're focusing on the people today. I spoke to our youth recently. And we're talking about shame has been a series. Into the Lights is what the series is uh, called about. And um, we're talking about shame and how we sometimes live with the shame. It's like a backpack. And a lot of these kids have responded both weeks. We've had probably well around 30 kids respond, making decisions for Christ, also responding in the sense that they want to live a life free of shame because of something that happened to them 10 minutes ago, 10 years ago, whatever. And it's a real powerful time. And one of the examples I actually shared was a video of a prison in America where all of these men, all in their 50s plus, some in their 90s, and they're all struggling with pain and hurt and they don't realise it. These are people that have done unjustifiable in our brain things to other people. The worst of the worst in society. 
And this little lady hops in the middle of this huge circle of hundreds of men in this video and literally says, who's here to let go of some shame? And a couple of people go, yeah. And everyone's pretty silent. And she literally just says, I want you to take a step forward in the circle if this is applied to you. And she starts saying statements that are all around a lot of child trauma, abuse, things that happened when they were really young. And all of these guys are taking steps forward. Some are scared to take steps forward because of the shame they have with it. They're taking steps forward. And all of a sudden, instead of being hundreds of meters apart, they all end up in the middle together. And what's powerful about this video is that these guys had pushed down all of this shame, whether Christians or not, they pushed it all down and tried to live a life with it in there. But that life led to, as I said, hurt people, hurt people, and they made choices that are not justifiably excusing actions, but because of that stuff, they ended up doing things, saying things, causing harm, and they end up in prison. And one of the statements that said at the end is, what we have in our prisons, and I believe this is for the world, what we have in our prisons are the most traumatized people in our society. People traumatized, but whatever happened to them when they're younger? And I wonder, church, today, for people that we call enemies, or we think of that are enemies in our life, as we're reflecting right now, Who's those people that you don't want to hang out with, you don't want to include in your life because of something they said, something they did? I want nothing to do with it. I'm not going to pray for them. I'm not going to forgive them. Think about those people right now. And with compassion, we're trying to figure out, and maybe we never will, but we're choosing to go, man, there's something that's happened. Something, something, something happened in their life. They're a hurt person and they are still created in God's image. And that is scandalous. That is, that is His amazing grace. That someone in the end of their life in a prison system can make a decision for God. By the way, the, the Compassion Circle activity is a Christian organization. And in that video, after there's comments of people making decisions to follow Christ, after that activity that they did, which was really powerful, and one of the guys, big African-American gang member, history, he's done horrible things. And he goes, it's so, it's, it doesn't make sense that a little white blonde lady like yourself can impact me in such a way. And she says in a little interview, it's not me impacting you, it's God. And he breaks down. He said he's never cried in his whole life. He can't remember the last time he cried. And compassion broke it. Unforgiveness, it started to drop off his life and he made that decision. I wonder how many people in our life are traumatized by the church or religion that they don't want to even come to the church because of something they've experienced or people have said to them that are representative of the church. John 4, 15, 16 says, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. And we, ha- we have known and believed that the love that God has for us, God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. We are loved to love so others might know his love. How are they going to even know about this love? When there's judgment, when there's them and us, when there's all this persecution. Because the world, I think it's getting worse. It's going to get worse before it's better. In fact, I don't know if it's going to get better, the world. But what can we do as a church? Because we're in charge of how we respond to our enemies, to the people that don't like us, the people that oppose us. Loved to love. To you that are willing to listen, Jesus says. And I say that today. To you who are willing to listen in your spirit, 
not your emotions and soul, because that will be getting in the road right now, church. It gets in the road for me, from your spirit. Who are willing to listen from their heart, I say, love your enemies. Finish with the scripture. Romans 5.10 says, when we were enemies, we were reconciled. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. We love him because he first loved us, church. So what people in our lives, this is the challenge, and let God lead this. Don't just go on a wild spree and start going, I love you, love you, love you. No, 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 no. Don't take out of context. Let God lead you, Holy Spirit lead you. Who's someone that I'm like, don't want to pray for them. Forgiveness is hard. I don't want to understand their shoes. That God might put on your heart today to go, not to tick the boxes, but to start a journey. Because there's some pain, there's hurt, and there's there's a weight that we're carrying that we shouldn't. Because he showed us an example. We were loved by him first, so we could then love him. He loved us first. We love them first before they will even accept the idea of love. Whether they love us or not. I believe that as a church, today more than ever in our world, we are called to love our enemies. Love all people, but particularly today for a challenge. Love our enemies. Think of the impact we'll have church as civic for our community here in Toowoomba, for our families, for siblings, for people you don't get along with, whatever it might be. Think of the impact if we just allowed Holy Spirit to lead and agape love that doesn't make sense. It's unconditional. You can't figure it out. You don't have to tick boxes. Just love. Because God's love is running through us today. Will you allow that to run through you? Let's stand up, church, as we finish. So, Father... I thank you so much for your example. Thank you, you're not a hypocrite. Your actions backed up your words when you're on that cross. Forgive them because they don't, even, they, they don't know what they're doing. You loved with compassion. You prayed for all. You pray for us today. You pray for those yet to know that they are loved. Help us to be, we, we can't even dream or try to aspire to be on your level but what's what's really cool is that you've given us the help in the Holy Spirit we are here to shine we are here to aspire to, to love the world as you have loved it all this time help us to not let religion get in the road help us to not let rules get in the road help us to not let law or any of that get in the road but your simple gospel God your son dying on a cross may not be in vain for for how we live our lives. We thank you for your example and help us to be your example through how we live our lives today. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, amen. We're going to finish with that all of my life song or whatever it is, that the first song. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I love the lyrics in it because it literally, it's not saying part of my life. It's not saying, oh, well, this area, this area, this area, but the unforgiveness, uh, that hurt, the prayer aspect sort of thing, ah, uh, put that aside for now. I'll deal with that later. No, he's saying all of my life. If we can honest, just be honest, church, we've got to be able to, in worship and praise, let go of the emotions, the feelings, the logic, the law, the religion, the traditions, all of that stuff. And there's some good things in those things, but we've got to let it all go. 
and let His love come into our life afresh so that we can love with a completely absurd, crazy, scandalous love similar to the two guys that tried to mug me. They're scratching their heads probably to this day. I don't know where they are. I'm going, you, you would not understand this guy. Goes, they can't get me five bucks. We should do this again. I don't know, right? But this completely completely scandalous his love and that's what he showed on the cross that's what our father in heaven is that's who he is because he is God he is love can we do that today and let's declare that with all of our life thank you church